0: First You Think is a not-for-profit ministry of the First Unitarian Church of Des Moines. Support us at ucdsm.org today. In John Caddy's poem that Louise read, the hoarfrost shows the dying leaves, how easy this all is. The old brown leaves like those oaks out there that are too obstinate to fall. Don't cling like that when it's really your time. Don't clutch at this life, this green and golden world. You can't. Just let it go. Just go. The frost shows how shows by example how it's done. It etches everything in crystal overnight, then melts to waters just a few hours after sunrise, it becomes again part of the invisible air. The frost reminds the clinging leaves and all of us what our whole assignment is in these our wild and precious lives, our fleeting temporal existence. The assignment given at our birth is crystal clear. Arrive, be beautiful, be gone. Did you get that memo? I have a copy somewhere, but I keep losing it, keep forgetting for days at a time, even years at a time, that I'm not actually immortal. Maybe I should plan my day accordingly, plan my gratitude accordingly. Harder still, much harder, is believing it for those I love or for other people generally, for all of you, for example, all of them known and loved or not. There are times when I can glimpse my own mortality. Come to terms with it, wrestle it down, accept it even with a kind of equanimity and amazed and grateful grace. But I have no interest in glimpsing your mortality or anybody else's. And much of the time, I refuse to do it. So I'm always caught off guard when death comes by, as it does. Joan Didion, the writer who lost both her husband and her child in a very short time, called it magical thinking, our bewilderment, our indignation, our rage, our wild grief, our broken hearts, our disbelief when someone whom we love has died. How could it be? We asked, how could this happen? No matter how old or young or sick or well they were, something in us never stops asking, how can it be that they arrived and they were so beautiful, so necessary, so much a part of our furniture, the furnishings of us, and now they're just gone. Until my family moved this past spring into St. Paul, I used to walk my dog in the early mornings every day on the same path on, in the same park, and we saw many living things and many dead things, moles and mice and birds and fish and animals, trees, changes that we might not have noticed if we ever changed our route, which we didn't. One time, several years ago, we came upon a fox in the middle of our path, this gorgeous, radiant red fox, but it was staggering and swaying and a little foamy, and it was sick, and it couldn't run from us, so we turned back the way we came, and it was there the next day, same thing, and then the third day, it wasn't. This was fall. There was ice in the air and leaves still clinging just like this. And several weeks later, when the leaves were gone, we saw that fox again, caught sight of that brilliant auburn fur under an arc of bramble. And it was coated in frost, it was sparkling, and it had died, much to my dog's delight. We walked past it all winter and then into the spring and the summertime, and the golden fur gave way to gray and then no fur. And crows came around and flies and other animals we didn't see at night. So that a year later in the fall, it was all bones and black muscle, sticky stuff. Leaves came down to cover it. And then the snow came again. And a year passed. And I don't know if I could find it now. It was washed out of this world into the light that holds everything. And we saw other changes, my dog and I. Other dogs and other people walked there. And sometimes an old dog that was once a young dog became in time a vanished dog, a ghost dog. And we noticed all of a sudden that human is walking all alone now. And we stopped on the path in the gray morning to greet this person whom we didn't even really know, even after years of waving on the trail. And we asked, even though we knew the answer, we didn't know the person's name, but we knew the dog's name. How does that happen? We'd say, hey, where's Gino? And we shook our heads and said, we're so sorry. And sometimes then the owner would keep walking for a few more weeks just on their own. But most often they didn't. One woman kept walking for a couple of years. And then suddenly one day she wasn't there. Ghosted dog ghosted human. They were part of our lives, they still are in a way, but the meadow and the trees and the sky and the snow, they all just gently closed around their absence and we keep walking on, remembering them in the rising of the sun and in its going down. This whole world is ghosted like that. Strangers, lovers, friends, the evidence is in. We still don't believe it sometimes that all of them, all of this, all of us can't last. Nothing gold can stay. We got the memo. Our heads have it. But walking in the woods in the fall or sitting side by side at breakfast with someone whom you love so much, you almost take it for granted. It's hard to believe in transience, the permanence of transience. Until it comes and you're left quivering, where did they go? How did they get away? W.S. Merwin has a poem called Season. This hour along the valley, this light at the end of summer lengthening before it begins to go, this whisper in the tawny grass, this feather floating in the air, this half house of half my life or so, This blue door open to the sun. This stillness echoing from the rooms like an unfinished sound. This fraying of voices at the edge of the town beyond my dusty garden. This breath of knowing without knowing anything. This old branch from which years and faces go on falling. This presence already far away. This moment peopled with absences, with everything I remember and everything that slipped my mind. All of it has occurred to somebody else who's already gone. It's occurred again and again. And I go on trying to understand how that could ever be. And all I know about them is that they felt, is what they felt in the light here in this late summer, because I feel it. We're left bewildered every time someone dies. We're stranded on this side of the land of the living, what one writer once called heaven's coast, around the coast, the shoreline of heaven. We understand then that the strands of memory are lifelines and we grasp for them before they float away. We tie them down securely. It's hard to remember. And that we're all weaving such strands right now out of our own living, our own choices, our actions, our interactions, our words. All of these are the threads for somebody else to catch and cling to after we're gone. So we weave when we remember to deliberately. Love and memory abide in the imprint of your spirit that can't ever be removed. A man writes in an essay about his son and how to hang on, how to cling to memory and love when life itself lets go. He's writing about the mail that kept coming, snail mail, even after his son had died. When was the last time you shopped for car insurance, asked the letter, which arrived the day before Father's Day and is addressed to our son, David. If your answer is, I haven't done that in years, you may be missing an opportunity to save money with GEICO. Treat yourself, American Express writes to David six months after his death with an offer that promises, quote, to change his life. On the other side of the equation, the IRS writes David to tell him he still owes $5.68 based on his form 1040 and the consequences of failure to pay will be dire. (laughs) All of these, says the writer, assume a tone of urgency, but David is now and for yet forever beyond both opportunity and obligation. Two and a half years ago he died after mixing heroin and alcohol at the age of 21. That has not stopped the slow and steady trickle of mail oblivious to our loss. A part of me is resentful and yet I keep it all in a file marked David, knowing full well how foolish and pathetic this is, but I can't not do it. He goes on, on the flight from Akron to Boston, as we carried our son's ashes home, the alarm on his cell phone went off in the overhead compartment, telling him it was time to get up and go to class. I jumped out of my seat, tore his suitcase apart, desperately trying to silence that alarm. A year later, I came upon his dog-eared copy of Make Way for Ducklings. On the back cover, I discover a note in pencil in the hand... Of a six-year-old child it reads wake me up dad please 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 wake me up on time if only i could he says i had nearly forgotten how death plays out over time not the biological episode that collapses it all into a nanosecond of being and non-being but the slower arc of our leaving the long goodbye Sorting through mail, paying bills, stumbling upon notes. It's like the decommissioning of a great battleship. Eulogies, I now know, are never the last word. Some of you I know have known that strange experience. You're doing just fine after some major loss, or so you think, so your therapist keeps telling you and your friends, you're looking great. And then a photo falls into your hands or a letter or a leaf falls out of a book or a song comes on the radio or the smell of something cooking or a greeting on voicemail right when you never thought you'd hear their voice again. I've seen dead people walking on the sidewalk in the city far up ahead of me. The shape and the height and mostly just the gait of somebody I loved, it looks just like them. And I squint my eyes and i see it's not them but i've been jerked back into their presence and all these visitations these glimpses they're so razor sharp painful and they're so welcome because for just a moment just a little while your heart is again right where it wants to be in proximity again to your person who's on the other side it's mixed i wish i know that he could be that he is okay says someone I once knew whose child died much too young, a teenager by suicide. I wish I could know that he's okay, that he could send me some kind of sign, but I don't believe in that, or maybe I do. And that's such a longing, not of the head, but the not a longing for cogent understanding, proof positive, it's a longing of the bones, to know in your body made of cells, knowing the fiber of your own skin that knew the touch of that other skin. You want to know cellularly that it's okay, that you're okay. Glimpses come, and as time goes on, they linger a little longer. Glimpses come to steady us and save us and save our lives here now while we're still alive, assurances that all actually is well. All will be well, and all manner of things really will be well. And we breathe a little in that quiet, healing understanding. But glimpses aren't proof, so we go on faith, or whatever you call that. We go on faith that we can keep going, and we rely on those around us to help us go. And when we're strong enough, we help them go in turn. All these old traditions. Sawain, Halloween, all saints, all souls, the day, the day of the dead, all of these traditions, practices, rituals, they call us back to memory and love. They speak of when the veil is thin, these feasts that mark the turning year, the dying time, the veil between this living world and the country of our dead. A thousand years ago, longer. People called their loved ones back with gourds left lighted in the windows, the pungent scent of marigolds on the ofrenda, pictures, sugar skulls, special masses in the Catholic cathedral with candles, picnics in the graveyard. That veil never feels thin enough for long enough. Never. And so in all these different places, different cultures, different times, there's this moment every year when nothing's left to chance. You summon them entice them in mexico you cook their favorite food and you eat it laughing with your friends trading recipes for when your own day comes remember this cook that at all souls and all saints all hallows eve you pray for everybody the living and the dead all of them why not peace for your beloved person peace in your own heart the season darkens the oak leaves will let go And maybe for a moment, we just remember to be gentle. We remember, why not be kind? None of us can know what losses everybody else is carrying, what they've written on their little scraps of paper. None of us knows when our own day comes. A poet offers a fierce and lovely image. It's stark, but somehow reassuring, this is Mary Oliver, White Owl, flies into and out of the field. Coming down out of the freezing sky with its depths of light like an angel or a Buddha with wings, it was beautiful, that owl, and accurate, striking the snow and whatever was running there with a force that left the imprint of the tips of its wings five feet apart and the grabbing thrust of its feet, and the indentation of what had been running through the white valleys of the snow. And then it rose, the owl, gracefully, and flew back to the frozen marshes to lurk there like a little lighthouse in the blue shadows. And so I thought, maybe death isn't darkness after all, but so much light wrapping itself around us, as soft as feathers, That we're instantly weary of looking and looking and shut our eyes, not without amazement. And let ourselves be carried as through the translucence of mica to the river that is without the least apple or shadow that is nothing but light, scalding aortal light in which we are washed and washed out of our bones. Yesterday morning, coming here to work, I can walk from the Airbnb where I stay and come through the woods past the labyrinth there, this little sweet place between the street and the building, that lovely woods you have, coming right around past the labyrinth, there was a red fox right on the path. There were also three white-tailed deer, but ah, deer, see them all the time, looking for the last hostas. But this fox, this red fox was right there and it was the same color as the golden light of the morning yesterday, that beautiful fall light. And it's just like all the foxes in the fairy tales and cartoons, sly, smart, no sense of humor, (laughs) just stood there for a moment and then vanished. And I thought, was that a real fox I saw? Was that a ghost fox of the one I told you about earlier? I have no idea. But I did see it. For a few moments, in the presence of each other, and the presence of our beloved dead, let's just hold silence together.